uh, happy Super Bowl Sunday. I'm normally like an anti-football reference preaching kind of person, but um, there's going to be one today, so <laughs> get ready. Um, no, yeah, so we're going to dive in to the masculines. Um, mas masculine? Ma masculine, um, however it's pronounced. Today's is Psalm 52. It's dealing with transgressors. If you don't know what these masculine psalms are, um, there's 13 of them. And they are practical. They are meant to be read aloud. You know, a lot of the Psalms are David's praising God, David, um, you know, his prayers for uh, against wicked men. These are practical. These are meant to be used in our daily life. A lot of times when we deal with difficult emotions, difficult circumstances, and how how to deal with those from from a biblical perspective. And so um, today we're going to be in Psalm 52. Let's turn there. Here we go. I'm just going to read it all through first, and then we'll dive in. Um, to the chief musician, Maskil, a psalm of David. When Doeg the Edomite came and told Saul and said unto him, David has come to the house of Ahimelech. Why boastest thou thyself in mischief, O mighty man? The goodness of God endureth continually. Thy tongue deviseth mischiefs like a sharp razor working deceitfully. Thou lovest evil more than good and lying rather than to speak righteousness, Selah. Thou lovest all devouring words, O thou deceitful tongue. God shall likewise destroy thee forever. He shall take thee away and pluck thee out of thy dwelling place and root thee out of the land of the living, Selah. The righteous also shall see and fear and shall laugh at him. Lo, this is the man that made not God his strength, but trusted in the abundance of his riches and strengthened himself in his wickedness. But I am like a green olive tree in the house of God. I trust in the mercy of God forever and ever. I will praise thee forever because thou hast done it. And I will wait on thy name for it is good before thy saints. Um, dear God, I just want to thank you so much for, for your word. Um, that amidst the truly the atrocities of the world, um, the atrocities of man's sin and our rebellion, um, God, you've given us a firm foundation. Lord, I just pray that we can believe what your word says about that. Lord, that we can come to the realization that there's peace in you, that there's stability and mercy um, through your way. And uh, God, I just pray that that today I can get out of I can get out of the way um, that you can preach through Psalm 52 through David's words here, and Lord, that we can come out knowing that um, that you're in control. In name I pray, Amen. All right. So the story, uh, you know, when you when you read this the first time, I know when I read it the first time, it's like, oh, there's a guy who was, you know, he's a little boastful. Uh, he he may have said some stuff. It's a little more intense than that. Um, this is, we're starting Psalm 52, one, it's to the chief musician, Maskell, a Psalm of David. When Doeg the Edomite came and told Saul and said unto him, David has come to the house of Ahimelech. So what we see from there, um, you know, David, or uh, Doeg tells Saul, hey, David came to Ahimelech. Seems pretty, uh, pretty, pretty light. Um, how the story goes, this is 1 Samuel 21. David is being chased after Saul. Uh, the whole kingdom loves David, and Saul does not like that. And it's gotten to the point where it's it's becoming deadly. Like David knows he is about to die if Saul finds out where he is. And so David goes to, um, you know, he's on the run, and he's starving. He goes to the priests, and he asks for food. It's their special bread. There's a whole big thing behind it, but essentially they... Um, 
they give him the showbread to eat, and then David also asks for a weapon, and they give him Dave, they give him Goliath's sword. So the man, the giant that David kills, they give him his sword. Um, this is from Ahimelech the priest in the city of Nod, uh, Nob. What a fun name. <laughs> so Doeg witnesses this happen. Um, he sees it. He is the chief herdman of Saul. So he is the chief shepherd. He is in charge of all the flock. Um, this, this is a big time guy. Uh, I, you know, we, we don't want to take this lightly. He had a lot of power. Uh, I'm sure he had a lot of aspirations in the kingdom. Um, we also know that he is an Edomite. And Edomites are the great, great ancestors of Esau. So back in the day, Jacob and Esau, um, Jacob, with the help of his mother, lies to Isaac to steal, um, well, actually to trick Esau, to use his pride against him, to steal the blessing that was meant for Esau. And um, down the line, like that, that deception from Jacob, even though it was, it was in God's plan, it, it turned out um, the Edomites were not pleasant people. They, they were enemies for the Israelites pretty much the entire time. There, there's many verses on the Edomites and very rarely are they good. So Doeg, you know, he's powerful, but we also know that there's something not great about him. Um, if they're going to go out of their way and call him an Edomite, bring that up. And so Doeg snitches. Um, David runs and Saul goes to Ahimelech in the city of Nob and he asks, hey, have you seen David? And Doeg speaks up and says he did. And so Ahimelech pleads innocence. He actually was innocent. David lied to him to get the showbread. Ahimelech didn't do anything wrong. Um, Saul's men, he, he orders them to kill the priest, Saul does, and his men wouldn't even kill him. So his, his soldiers, his warriors meant to kill, stand up. And instead, Saul points to Doeg and says, you do it. And so Doeg turns his sword. He kills 85 priests and their families. It turned out to be around 350 people, they estimate. The entire city of Nob gets wiped out. It actually made them move the city to a different area. Um, I think it's Gibeon, I, I believe. And so he, he wipes an entire city of holy people, of God's holy people out. A horrendous, horrendous atrocity at the hand of Saul and at the hand of Doeg. And so Abiathar is one of the people that escapes. He's uh, the son of Ahimelech tells David, and David's response is Psalm 52. So we have this horrible, horrible thing happen. We've got to ask ourselves, what's the next slide? What, um, how does God view the situation? And then what is David's response? How does God view the situation of hundreds of innocent people, of God's innocent people, being slaughtered for essentially no reason, for jealousy and for boasting. I mean, then what is David's response? So we begin with the second half of verse one into verse four of Psalm 52. This is God's descriptor of the unjust, or David's descriptor of the unjust. Why boastest thou thyself in mischief, O mighty man? 
Like the goodness of God endureth continually. Thy tongue deviseth mischiefs like a sharp razor, working deceitfully. Thou lovest evil more than good, and lying rather than to speak righteousness, Selah. Thou lovest all devouring words, O deceitful tongue. So before we get to the second part, um, I, I just want to kind of branch off a little bit and talk about why does God allow bad things to happen? One of the biggest questions that people ask of concerning Christianity uh, I don't have time to get into every little detail, but we're just going to take a flyby course and, you know, ask, ask some of the smarter people in the room to, to fill in those details. Um, but when you look at the Bible, and especially when you look at the Bible as a broad lens, you see that um, there, there's, a, there's, a, there's a through thread for why bad things happen to us, why, a, you know, God's holy people would be slaughtered for no reason. So when we were created in the beginning, God created the world, the heavens and the earth. He created the, the, the animals, everything therein, and then he created man. And he didn't just create man. Um, he created man with a superpower. I don't know if we ever like recognize um, God created us with the ability to say no to him. Isn't that wild? Like he gave us the power to tell him no and to deny what he wants from us. And so in the beginning, he gave us this. Um, from the very get-go, he gave Adam and Eve a, a perfect choice of, hey, you can do what I've asked you to do. You can go throughout the world and reproduce, replenish the earth, name the animals, eat, be merry, all those good things. Okay, all the things we love, um, that's what he created us for. That's what he created Adam and Eve. But you also get the choice to eat from this tree. And I'm not going to stop you if you do. I'm just telling you what's going to happen if you eat from the tree. And so they do. They eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And from that point, sin enters man. No longer are we, um, are we the, the, what the Bible says, is, you know, we're not sons of God. We're sons of Adam. And in Adam, all die. First Corinthians 15, 22. For as in Adam, all die dot, dot, dot. More on that later. Um, and so since then, we have inherited Adam's sin. Um, every single pe person born inherits what Adam did on that day. We inherit that sin. Um, our ancestors also choose to sin. And it's really, it's really interesting. Water. Oh, from the back. You know, not just do we inherit Adam's sin. When you look at the first, like, I don't know, 22 chapters of the Bible, first two, like 22 chapters of Genesis, it's kind of crazy how many little things they slip in that carry out throughout the rest of scripture. So for example, for example, the Canaanites. Okay. So the Canaanites, you know, they were the, they were occupying the land of Canaan. That's the land of Israel. They were kind of in the way the entire time the Israelites were trying to get into this promised land. And what was the origin of the Canaanites? Well, they were the sons of Ham, who Ham was the one that snuck in and saw his, his dad Noah's drunkenness. And so that, like, that decision led to this ancestry of being an enemy of God's people, Israel. And then we go even further down Genesis and Lot is with his daughters. They just ran away from Sodom and Gomorrah. 
and his daughters think they're the last people on earth and they trick him and reproduce and get him drunk, reproduce with him. And the ancestors of Lot and his daughter's ancestral relationship are the Moabites and the Ammonites, who you know were at war with Israel um, the, the entire span of the Old Testament. And then we get to the Edomites. Okay, it's uh, what we talked about earlier. That scuffle as a family ends up being an enemy of the Israelites for, for the whole of scripture. And so this just keeps happening as people decide to do the wrong thing. It doesn't just affect the people in their vicinity. It, it affects their ancestry. It affects their children. And our decisions that we make, especially us with families, especially us, you know, whether that be physical family or spiritual family, our decisions have an impact. Our decisions have a consequence. Every reap has a sow. Um, football reference. There's been a thing. I, I've noticed it more and more as time goes. And part of it is because the, the idea of authority is more and more kind of going out the door in culture. We don't like authority. And I see it every game. And y'all, we, we need to stop. It's, a, it's, it's affecting the Christian culture too. Um, it's not the referee's fault. Okay, let me say it again. It's not, it's not always the referee's fault. Yes. Yes, there, there are bad calls. And they're going to make mistakes because they're, they're human beings. A lot of weird stuff happens. But guys, your team didn't lose because of a referee. Okay? Um, there are 60 minutes in a football game. So you watch the football game today. There are 60 minutes of playtime. And the referee can only call so much. Okay? They get 60 minutes to win or lose. And their decisions and how they play impacts the game. So at the very end of the game, when there's a blatant no call, like we can't pin that on the authority to say that, well, they'd lost the game for us. No, these professional men getting millions of dollars to play a children's sport. It, like, <laughs> they, they didn't lose because of a referee. So let's, oh, wow. Um, same thing. Same thing kind of happens with, you know, with this concept of the, the evils of this world. We're going to bring it back. Um, you know, God isn't punishing us for no reason. Okay, the referee doesn't come down on us for no reason. There is a, there's a reason why we have the bad things on this earth. It was, it was cool because I was going through, I'm not going to go through very, I'm dropping everything today. Um, I'm not going to go in, through, in super detail, but I was just thinking about like, you know, how do we explain diseases? Okay. How do we explain why diseases exist? Um, well, first, when God kicks, kicks us out of the garden, um, kicks Adam and Eve out of the garden, he says, you know, we're going to eat the herbs and the thistles and the thorns. So in the garden, everything was good. Everything was healthy to eat. Everything was like, it, it was, it had its purpose for man, but then kicking out of the garden, that's when we introduce those things that are um, that are unhealthy, make us sick. The the land gets cursed, and then I was even thinking, well, you know what? God actually gave us the ability to work around those cursed things. Did you know that um, the the bad things on this earth, the things that make us sick, God gave us the ability to to work around those. Anybody know where the, that came from? Like what that is? 
it's the law. It's a Levitical law. Um, you know, the law wasn't just rules to, to give to somebody to, you know, to give these people like, well, I don't really like shellfish. I don't, I don't like pork much, so don't eat it. Um, no, you ever look up like diseases that transfer through pork? It's crazy. I mean, that was the whole COVID deal was like, was it bats or pigs? Well, whatever. Um, you know, God gave kosher laws because those animals were healthier to eat. At that time, um, people weren't very good about cooking their meat, but there's whole sections on how to prepare food. Um, there's whole sections on hygiene and Leviticus. There's sections on um, how to take, like, like clen general cleanliness. It's no wonder why these people were in the desert. They were in the wilderness of, of Sinai and they were, they were reproducing like rabbits. It was great. Like millions of people um, wandering the desert being more plentiful than these, you know, civilizations that had, had their stuff together. Um, God gives us the ability to, to be healthy and not be victims to Adam and Eve's decision to get kicked out of the garden. I was also thinking about natural disasters. Um, have you guys, so God asks the Israelites to go to a certain place, right? The promised land. Uh, have you ever looked up the weather in Israel? I looked it up the other day. It's like, it's like 60 to 80 all year round. It's gorgeous. I looked up natural disasters in Israel and it's like, yeah, there's a minor earthquake a few years ago. Like it, God wanted them to go to a place where they're going to be safe from the cursed world. And it's our ancestors decision to go elsewhere that led us to places where there's tornadoes, um, where like, like all this stuff. Um, and then evil men, evil men, like we talked about with the Am Ammonites and the Moabites, you know, generations of people incorrectly raising their kids, incorrectly leading their people, incorrectly governing their countries leads to nations that are oppressing and, um, uh, you know, killing, uh, killing their own people leads to people in power, um, oppressing their, their, their own, taking advantage. Um, it leads to parents not raising their kids correctly. And just these generational cycles that happen because of our ancestors' decisions. So every evil committed by man is a result of man's free will choice to disobey God. Every evil committed by man. Um, God allows bad things to happen because he wants to be good on that promise of free choice. He wants to be good on it. And with that, um, you know, we get to why why Doeg made this choice. And that started with what David calls out in Psalm 52, and that's the tongue. So that's the next slide. The evil tongue. So we already, we read those part, um, but I'll read it again. Thy tongue deviseth mischiefs like a sheep, sharp razor working deceitfully. Thou lovest evil more than good and lying rather than to speak righteousness, Selah. Thou lovest all devouring words. O thou deceitful tongue. So when we think about deceitful tongue and evil and loving evil rather than good, um, I, I think it's pretty safe to say we think about Satan first and foremost. So this is the next slide. Um, well, I guess this is the, the definition of the tongue. Man, I spoiled it. I was going to be so so cheeky, so clever. So the tongue boasts in mischief, 
It deviseth mischief. It's a sharp razor working deceitfully. It loves evil more than good, loves lying rather than speaking righteousness, and it loves devouring words. And you know what also has all five of those points? Lucifer, Satan, boasts of mischief, deviseth mischief, loves evil more than good, loves lying rather than speaking righteousness and devouring words. So Isaiah 14, 12, how art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou down to the ground, which didst weaken the nations? For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. So Satan's fall happened because of pride. Um, his tongue said, his heart said, I will ascend into heaven, exalt my throne above the stars of God. And when he did that, his tongue led him to the, the path of pride and eventually his fall. And then we see this is his, his MO for the rest of his uh, work here on earth. Um, he's a liar. He's a liar. Genesis 3. How did he convince Eve? He didn't like he didn't um, uh, forcefully make her eat the the fruit. He didn't. He was a snake. I don't know if snakes bite her or something. I don't know. Um, he didn't threaten her. Right. There was no like her life wasn't at risk. He just lied. Right. Genesis 3 1. Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field, which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, yea, hath God said, ye shall not eat of every tree in the garden. It's interesting when he, you know, Satan is a dragon. And the reason why dragons are so prolific in world culture, it's one of the only, like, no matter where the culture is, they know what a dragon looks like. It's one of those crazy things that um, anthropologists don't understand why, but we know why. And, uh, you know, you think about the description of a dragon and it's got giant wings and huge claws and breathes fire, but it's, it's words that are the thing that Satan uses. He uses his words. Um, but guess what? It's not just Satan that this applies to. It's also us. So man's tongue is powerful. Proverbs 18, 21, death and life are in the power of the tongue and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. Let me say that again. That's a crazy verse. Death and life are in the power of the tongue and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. Um, so Proverbs often speaks on the tongue. If you just type in tongue in your e-sword, uh, it's cool because a lot of it's, I mean, a lot of it is like, you know, speaking in your tongue, like what, that that thing in Genesis and there's a lot in Job and then there's a lot in Proverbs but the tongue of the wise useth knowledge all right but the mouth of the fools poureth out foolishness um, wholesome tongue is a and then Proverbs 15 4 a wholesome tongue is a tree of life but perverseness therein is a breach in the spirit he that hath a froward heart findeth no good and he that a, hath a perverse tongue falleth into mischief the, the tongue is powerful. Uh, I was looking up like body parts in the Bible. Like what does God have to say about various parts? Number one, the clearest one is that the heart is bad. So if you ever don't listen to the heart, the other second in those clarities is like the tongue can be either really good or really bad. 
And so, uh, you know, I, I think about in Genesis 11 through 6, when they created the Tower of Babel, how did God punish the people? How did he divide them? Um, what power did he take from them? He divided them by language. It was the tongue that he, he, uh, he separated them by. And so if God sees the tongue as powerful, we need to see it that way as well. This leads us to James 3, 1 through 12. So it's a big verse, but it's really important stuff. Uh, if you want to read, flip there. Um, but this is kind of the, the treatise on, on the tongue, especially for us in our Christian walk. My brethren, be not many masters, knowing that we shall receive the greater condemnation. For in many things we offend all. If any man offend not in word, the same as a perfect man, and be able to bridle the whole body. This is kind of the crux of what I want to get to today. Verse three, behold, we put bits in the horse's mouth that they may obey us, and we turn about their whole body. Behold also the ships, which though they be so great and are driven off of fierce winds, yet are they turned about with a very small helm, whithersoever the governor listeth. Even so the tongue is a little member and boasteth great things. Behold, how great a matter a little fire kindleth. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity, so is the tongue among our members that it defileth the whole body and setteth on fire the course of nature and it is set on fire of hell. For every kind of beasts and birds and serpents and of things in the air that's tamed and hath been tamed of mankind, but the tongue can no man tame. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. Therewith bless we God, even the Father, and therewith curse we men, which are made after the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceedeth blessing and cursing, my brethren, these things ought not to, not so to be. Doth a fountain send forth the same place, sweet water and bitter? Can the fig tree, my brethren, bear olive berries, either a vine fig, so no fountain can both use salt water and fresh? Um, our tongue is powerful. Our tongue is powerful, and it directs our paths. And I just, you know, Adam and Eve, the, the thing that made them sin was a conversation. And for us, in the age of grace, with Christ, the thing that can save us is conversation, is belief and professing with our mouths that Jesus Christ is Lord. More on that later. Um, but essentially, this is our, our key point for this whole section. In pursuit of his own desires, um, Doeg saw an opportunity to, to make the king really happy, to move up in rank. Um, and following his evil tongue, he was really happy to say something. Remember, he, he told Saul first, he snitched first before he killed. Um, Doeg committed a heinous crime, a heinous crime and a heinous sin against the Lord. It began with a simple tongue. And so God doesn't let this go unpunished. Amen, amen, amen. This is Psalm 52 back there, verse 5 through 7. God shall likewise destroy thee forever. He shall take thee away and pluck thee out of thy dwelling place and root thee out of the land of the living, Selah. The righteous also shall see and fear and shall laugh at him. Lo, this is the man that made God not his strength, but trusted in the abundance of his riches and strengthened himself in his wickedness. So God has a promise for the wicked. Okay, God has a promise for the wicked. Second Thessalonians 2, 8, and then shall the wicked be revealed whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. So the wicked people on the earth, the people that choose to disobey God, to choose to live in rebellion, um, God has an, has an end result for them. Revelations 20, 10 through 15, and the devil, this is the very end of the book. Okay, this is the 
the the hero winning against the the bad guy we knew he was going to win he's been winning the whole time um but this is when the this is when they he finally gets what he deserves satan and everyone else who follows him um gets gets what they chose and the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are and shall be tormented day and night forever and ever and i saw a great white throne him that sat on it from whose face the the earth and the heaven fled away and there were found no place for them and i saw the dead small and great stand before god and the books were open and another book was open which is the book of life and the dead were judged out of those things which were rich which were written in the books according to the works and the sea gave up the dead which were in it and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them and they were uh, judged every man according to their works and death and hell were cast into the lake of fire this is the second death and whosoever was not found in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire um and so on one hand like praise the lord that every awful heinous evil that's been that happened on this earth by the hands of man is going to get a real punishment okay there's so many people that get away with um literal murder but you know figurative too like just i mean you, you go through the history books and man how will there ever be justice for this guys at the end of the day there's justice and it is final it is final forever and ever and ever. Um, on the other hand, it, it's, it's a grim reality that Romans 6.23 talks about that the wages of sin is death. The wages of sin is that death. It is a final and permanent death. Um, it, God's free will choice, his supernatural choice. Oh, you spoiled the, the good part. Uh, <laughs> I appreciate you though. You're awesome. Um, it's a supernatural or it's a, uh, the superpower to choose to say no to God. Um, it, it's the result of that. It's, it's the final choice. It's like, it's the culmination of that power. Um, and for us, if we choose to live in sin, if we lo- live away from God's purpose in our lives, away from the salvation that he's given us, um, we get the same death as those people, as Doeg the the Edomite, um, as King Ahab, as all these people that have committed man's atrocities. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. The story does not and there this is psalm 52 8 but i am like a green olive tree in the house of god i trust in the mercy of god forever and ever the wicked go someplace but guys if we are in christ if we are within his will for our lives if we call upon his name as lord and savior this is our promise we are a green olive tree in the house of god um, we're an olive tree and we're in the mercy of God. Olive, olive trees are kind of a cool study. Um, a lot of times it's just, it's, it's very stable. Anytime they want to bring up a, uh, like it'd be our version of a redwood when we think of the strongest tree. Um, and, you know, first I think of like the olive branch and what a picture that was at the end of Noah's Ark and just the idea of salvation. And, you know, he gets, he gets brought this branch. Um, the other cool 
reference in regards to olive tree is Romans 11. Um, and I won't go, we don't have super much time, but Romans 11 is about grafting. And it's about how there's salvation within the Israelite people, but through Christ, we are grafted onto the same tree and to the same salvation. Guys, David, hundreds and hundreds of years before Christ even came, he recognized that, you know, within, um, within God's protection, we, we are an olive tree. We are in the mercy of God forever and ever. And so for us, for the believer, for those that have recognized their sin and said, man, I, I realize that I deserve death. Um, for us that see that God sent his son Christ on this earth to die for that sin. Um, and if we confess in our, in, our, in our mouths and believe in our hearts that he is Lord, we are in the mercy of God forever and ever. And that destination of the wicked is not the destination for us. Um, so, you know, there's a, there's a promise, there's a promise of, uh, of true and righteous justice. Um, there's a promise of truth. It's really cool. Here's Psalm 52, nine. Did I miss it? Let me go back to there. Psalm 52, nine. Um, when we believe in Christ, when we are rooted in that mercy, when we are the green olive tree, Psalm 52, 9 tells us that we're going to be freed up to do what God has us to do on this earth. I will praise thee forever because thou hast done it. And I will wait on thy name for it is good before thy saints. And so when we're rooted in Christ, um, there's a promise of, of justice, like we said. So for in Adam all die, even so in Christ all shall be made alive. There's a promise of truth that even though we can see that the world is getting worse because it, it is, I mean, I'm young, so I, I don't know that much. Um, like when I first came to consciousness, I guess, about how the world works, like, I don't know, 10 years ago, whatever. Um, I can even see that the world is getting worse. I'm sure you guys see it too. Uh, as people become more and more evil, um, as the world celebrates that evil more and more, we can be planted in this, in this truth, in the word of God, um, that it's going to be okay, that God has a plan for them, that there is a, per there is a place for the wicked. And then finally, where do you go? I think next slide. There we go. Um, finally, when we're planted in God, when we're planted as the olive tree, we have the freedom to do what God wants us to do on this earth. Okay, we are no longer burdened. We're no longer um, always concerned with the transgressors of the world. Uh, we're no longer searching for answers on how to deal with these things or how to deal with how we feel. No, we have the freedom to do what God asks us to do. And that's Matthew 28, 19 through 20. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them, them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. So guys, there's so many Christians out there and we see it with a lot of, you know, churches that maybe we really loved and respected. And as the world gets worse, they start to have more of a, a worldly mission and a worldly message. Um, 
And I know like I've definitely felt that where as I see these things happen and I see the injustices of the world, I want to pursue worldly solutions for them. I want to pursue worldly justice. But y'all, when I realign myself with the truth that Christ came here to die for my sin and for the sins of the people on this earth, the people in this church, the people in this city, the people on this in this world, um, I, I, I receive peace, not just peace to be comfortable in this world, peace to want to go and to tell them about this and to give them the same, um, the same sense of peace, because that's, that's really the only thing that will get us through. That's the only thing that'll get us through this injustice. And so that's the practical message of this masculine. Um, that's why they would have preached it to the people, um, had them memorize it and recite it back because the world sucks. And there's going to be people that will do a lot of awful things to us. And our response to that, um, it can either be a, a bitter and resentful and worldly view, or we can take a response that is rooted in the word, that is rooted in Christ, and that gives us um, the, the, the wisdom to handle those situations and the peace to endure them and to do what God has us to do. And so I'll just ask, you know, for, for you guys, like if you are saved, um, just call on the Lord for uh, that, that this will really sink in, um, that this idea that, that there is a place for the wicked um, and that we are not stuck on this earth, that he has that. And um, just to free ourselves up from feeling those things so that we can do what God has for us to do. If you're, if you're not saved, um, realize that the end, the end doesn't have to be the end. Okay. Christ came and he died for your sin that deserved death. He took that upon himself. And so today just, um, call on him and be safe. And, uh, we can have people, um, who I, who I know want to, would love to, to talk you through that. So I'll pray this out. And, um, that's Psalm 52. Uh, dear God, I just want to thank you so much for your word. Um, Thank you for, for your wisdom, despite a chaotic world. Um, Lord, I just pray that we can have the same heart of David, that despite um, despite seeing this, this stuff that goes on in our world, that we can know that, Lord, you have, you have a plan um, and you have a purpose for our life. And so, God, I just pray that you'll, you'll free us up for that purpose, that you'll remind us of the simple truth that you've died for our sins that you love us. Um, and God, uh, I just pray that we can, that's that verse nine can be, be our life that will praise thee forever because you have done it and we'll wait on your name for it's good before thy saints. And here I pray. Amen.